Hey y'all, this is Ksenia Murray, and you're listening to Twisted Pulp Radio Hour on Anchor. This is KKRN Community Radio in Round Mountain, California. This is Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, and I'm Lothar Tuppen. Twisted Pulp Radio Hour is a show fully supported by you, the listeners of KKRN 88.5 FM. Warning. This material is for mature audiences. This is the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour. The Ninth Ninth Tower Tower Productions. Productions. station could possibly broadcast all over the world or <laughs> destroy the world <laughs> well no i guess i don't want that because that would well i would be dead hmm. i think that's your best idea yet tiffany what are you doing with my gun darling don't darling me I'm a little sick and tired of you killing me and recloning me. A little sick of that. I do it because I love you. I can't bear to live without you. Love? Love? You don't know what love is. Love is... Love is doing time for the greatest lover to ever rob a bank. Love is kidnapping and torturing your ex's new wife and making her sign over her last thousand bucks. Love is breaking into an animal shelter and stealing the cutest black and white kitten because it reminds you of your lover. Love is... Love is lying in bed at night with the barrel of a thirty-eight stuck in your mouth because you thought of your lover with somebody else. <laughs> Hmm. Seems like you're the perfect girlfriend. I... I have to admit, I've done neither of those things out of love. I have done them, though. But it was because I thought they were fun to do. Looks like you'll never experience fun again. Say goodnight, Doctor. Forever. (laughs) 
please, <laughs> Tiffany, no. No. I love you so much. You're my dream woman. The smartest, dumbest human I've ever encountered. I lie awake at nights with peanut butter spread all over my genitals. Goodbye, doctor. Ah, mm, mm. The shot backfired. Ah, she found the wrong gun. That's the one I was trying to create silver bullets out of spoons when I was drunk. Twelve chimes. It's midnight. At midnight, anything can happen. Hello, listeners. We have a shocking story for you tonight. But once again, before we get started, I'd like to give our 12 Chimes friend, James Scully, a minute to tell you about his fascinating podcast, Breaking Walls. March, 1888. You're hearing Sergeant Elias B. Dunn, New York City's chief weatherman. On this blustery Sunday evening, he's come up to the roof of the Equitable Life Assurance Building at 120 Broadway in Lower Manhattan. Is Mr. Dunn upset because he's trying to take the temperature during the midst of an unexpected March blizzard? Is he upset because his telegraph poles are down, because his carrier pigeons are grounded, and because communication with New York has been cut off from the rest of the world? No. He's clearly upset because he was born well over 100 years too soon to subscribe to Breaking Walls, a podcast on the history of American radio. Luckily, you're hearing this in 2018, and you can subscribe to Breaking Walls everywhere you get your podcasts, or go to thewallbreakers.com to find out why Elias B. Dunn plays such a huge role in the birth of radio. Having trouble getting a hold of someone? Are they out of reach? Have they left town with no forwarding address? Or has their departure become more... Permanent? Join us now for a bizarre tale of science, murder, and voices from beyond the grave in the play The Call of the Dead. Professor Zuko, are you in there? Please, if I could speak with you for just a moment. Go away. Zuko will talk to no one. Please, Professor. My name's Jinx Bennett. I'm a reporter with the Sentinel. I've driven all the way from town to talk to you about your experiments. No. Zuko gets no interview. Now go. Listen, Professor. I know you're sore. The press has been giving you a real hard time about these claims you've made that... 
you can speak to the dead. Zugo does not speak with the dead. That is foolishness. Mystic mumbo-jumbo. Zuko is man of science. Really? Then what about your recent paper in the Journal of Scientific Modernity, in which you stated, and I quote, Recent breakthroughs in electronic communications now allow us to correspond with individuals who have departed from this mortal plane. End quote. Speaking to the departed, Professor, spirits, ghosts... Made possible with science and engineering... Machines! Machines that can penetrate the darkness of the unknown. Machines that allow us to cross the thresholds of the universe. Machines built by Zuko! And for this, he is mocked! Laughed at! Ha! So why not talk to me, Professor? Tell me about these machines of yours. Ha! So you too can make Zuko sound like madmen? Ha! What do you and your newspaper kid of science? You are too busy chasing hoodlums and gangsters like the Keyhole Gang. Huh. Oh, you mean the Keyhole Gang? Well, that's not my beat. Besides, I'm sure Big Mike Keyhole and his mob are long gone after that shootout yesterday at the Rose Jewelry Exchange. No, Professor. I came here to talk to you. Give you a chance to defend yourself. Help the public understand your work. Tell me your story. Show me your experiments. So, you would like a demonstration, yes? You may not be prepared for what Zuko has to show you. You may not like what you see. You may not like it at all, madam. Listen, Professor. I've covered union riots, four alarm fires, gangland killings, and prison executions. So let's drop the whole frightened schoolgirl routine and get on with the show, all right? It's as cold as a spinster's heart out here. <laughs> Such determination. Zuko finds this most intriguing. All right, please enter. This way, I will take you to my workshop. Good night. Who decorated this joint? Boris Karloff? Who? Oh, never mind. So this workshop of yours... That's where you've built these machines that can speak to the dead? I told you, Zuko does not speak with dead. All right, then what about your paper? You do not read so carefully, Miss Bennett. No, Zuko does not speak with the dead. No one can do that. Zuko speaks only to the living. The living? In here, Miss Bennett. Look at all of this. It's quite a setup you have here, Professor. It's it's like a big-time radio station. You built all of this? Every wire, every vacuum tube. Edison came up with the original concept, but Edison was an idiot. All you see here comes from the mind of Zuko. I see. And over there? On that table? The body? Ah, yes. An unknown individual. How do you say a John Doe? Claimed from the county morgue. All quite legal, I assure you, Miss Bennett. All in the name of science. Would you like to speak to him, yes? Speak? <clears throat> With the corpse? Of course not. The body you see on the table is empty shell. A vessel for our true cosmic essence. His cosmic what? Essence. The pure elemental core of all life. Tell me, Miss Bennett, what is human soul? Well, I, I suppose it's 
What's inside each of us? Our true nature? Nature, yes, very good. The nature of ourselves and the nature of the universe. At the core of our very existence, there resides a form of cosmic energy created from the same primal elements that form the stars and the planets. The universe itself. Cosmic energy. So the human soul exists as a form of energy? Yes. <laughs> Which means you have found scientific evidence for the existence of life after death. No, no, no. There is no true death, Miss Bennett. Bodies cease to function. They collapse and decay. But our cosmic selves live on and on, released into the endless black void of the ether. And all these gadgets you've built? Allow us to locate and communicate with all these cosmic entities. This is like a radio station. A radio station that picks up transmissions from heaven. <laughs> heaven. If you must use Sunday school superstitions to help you understand, then yes, by all means, call it heaven. Now, shall we proceed? All right. Go ahead, Professor. We use the body as a reference to pinpoint the origin of the energy. Watch as I move these dials. This one identifies radioactive residues still resonating from the cadaver, while the other searches for similar energy signals floating through the cosmos. Just like tuning into a station. Yes, very astute, Miss Bennett. Now, these arrows here, see how they begin to line up as knob turns? Once I have identified the signal, I turn this dial to establish transmission. Now we magnify, increase power to boost the signal. Hey there, C can you spare a nickel? Professor, is that- The man on the table, in his true primal form. All that he was continues to be. Can he hear us? You are the reporter. Find out for yourself. Step up to this microphone. Ask him a question. Uh, hello? Can you hear me? Hey. Hey, lady. You got a nickel? For a cup of coffee. Oh, it's cold out here. Who are you? Oh, just a guy. Just a guy. Oh, how about that nickel, huh? I sure love a cup of coffee. <laughs> Hadn't had me a cup in a long time. Oh, <laughs> real long time. Where are you? Can you describe it to me? Oh, I don't know. Kansas City, Wichita. Oh, it's dark. Every town looks the same in the dark. Oh, I'm just trying to get to California. You ever been to California? Um, no. Oh, I hear it's always warm in California. Oh, there's oranges everywhere. You just, you just pick them off the trees. Can you tell me how to get to California? Oh, I've lost my way out here. Oh, nothing looks right. How about that nickel, huh? Uh, spare a nickel? Oh, oh, nothing, nothing looks right. Nothing, nothing. You see now? Zuko does not speak with the dead. Zuko speaks only to the living. Professor, this is amazing. No, it is science. This is not some sideshow trick. Some ruse concocted by fake spiritualists and fortune-tellers. Yet that's what they call Zuko. Fools! They will see that Zuko is years ahead of all of them. And yet, you make it all seem so simple. You just... turn a few dials. In essence, yes, it is. The actual operation of the machine is elementary, as long as the right elements are in place. Which brings us back to John Doe here. 
to find someone, make contact with their cosmic essence, you need their body, right? Yes, for the moment. There is still much to learn. The cosmic energy fields of individuals seem to vary. Some are faint, almost non-existent. Others emit energy that is surprisingly strong. But you can make contact with others. Find their energy field? Given time and resources, Zuko can speak with anyone. Let me show you some interesting data I have gathered. Oh, I'd love to see more, more, Professor, but if you'll excuse me. Wait, where are you going? Zuko has more to show you. Oh, people need to know about this, Professor. In fact, there's someone I'd like to tell right now. Miss Bennett, come back. Before you write your story, we must discuss certain rules that I... Who is that? Oh, friends of mine. They came with me, and they're dying to meet you. Friends? No! I refuse to speak to anyone but you at this time, Miss Bennett. The door, no! Do not open it! Come on in, boys. Hiya, Jinx. Hello, baby. Is this the brain? He sure is, Mike. Miss Bennett, who are these men? Oh, I believe you've heard of them. Professor, meet Big Mike Keo. Keo? The gangster? The gangster, huh? Now is that a nice thing to call somebody you just met? Will you get a load of all this stuff? Yeah, ain't it something, Mike? It sure is. You must have a hell of an electric bill here, huh, Brain? You do not wish to trifle with Zuko. Leave now while you can, Hoodlum. Hey, shut up, you. No one talks to Mike that way. Forget it, Corky. This guy's asking for him, Mike. Just give me two minutes with this cream puff. I said forget it. Go get Frankie. Ah, uh, but Mike, Frankie ain't- Why do I gotta repeat myself all of a sudden? You develop a hearing problem or something? No, it's just... Then shut up and get Frankie. I want to have a little chat with the brain. Whatever you say, Mike. So what is it you want of Zuko? You wish to rob him? Steal his invention? <laughs> Professor, you're too much. You know that Mike's not here to rob you. And why should Zuko believe anything you have to say? You, who have lied to Zuko from the very beginning. Settle down, Brain. You don't think much of me, do you? I'm just a thief. Some two-bit stick-up artist with a mask and a sap like Corky waiting in a dark alley. Is that it? The stench of the gutter clings to your body, criminal. You stand here smiling at Zuko in your fine clothes and the fancy tonic in your hair. But no matter what you say, no matter what you do, you cannot remove that stench from your body. <laughs> you know, if you want to play this the hard way, I'm happy to oblige you. Just listen to Mike for a moment, Professor. Please, give him a chance. He can help you. Yeah. You should listen to Jinx, Brain. Whatever you think I am, I don't care. But I'm going to lay it all out for you. I'm just a businessman. Pure and simple. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Business. Business? Ha! What sort of business Zuko needs from likes of you? The kind that brings you money. You've heard of money, right, Brain? You know what it is, what it does. Maybe I can help pay that big electric bill of yours. Maybe I can help pay for a few other things. Interesting. And what do you wish from Zuko in return? <laughs> See? You're a smart guy. I think you can figure it out. 
Okay, Mike. I'm back. And I got Frankie. And who do we have here? Brain, meet my kid brother, the late Francis Keogh. Poor Frankie. Ah, yes, I see now. Poor Frankie. So, you wish to speak with your brother, to make contact with him, yes? <laughs> yeah, you catch on real fast, don't you, Brain? Yeah, I want to talk to Frankie one more time about the Rose Jewelry Exchange. What a sweet deal that was. Until the shooting started. Some saps think they're a real tough guy with a gun in their hand. Mike, I keep telling you, the security guard came out of nowhere. And I keep telling you that you don't do anything until I tell you. So, things got hot real fast. We had to make a break for it. Frankie ended up with a take. Fifty grand in uncut stones. We shoot our way out of there. Each had our separate ways. Later, we all meet up. Frankie shows up with three slugs in him and no stones. Don't worry, he says to me. I hit him good, he says. I hit him real good, he says. And the little bastard dies on me. Ah, before he can tell you where stones are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you don't miss a trick, do you, Brain? Yeah, you see, you imagine my predicament. I got a fortune in jewels waiting for me, but the guy who knows where they are, the guy who's hit him, he's dead. I really did read your paper in the Journal of Scientific Modernity, Professor. Sure, it seemed a little screwy, but you seemed on the level, so what the heck. I told Mike all about it, and here we are. So, if Zuko make contact with your poor Frankie, you will, how do you say, cut me in on the deal? <laughs> you really are a scientist, aren't you? And what if Zuko refuses? I was hoping you'd say that. Shut up, Corky. You'll do it, Zuko. Like I told you before, I'm happy to play this the hard way. I can let Corky have some fun with you. He'll have you singing a new tune real quick. But you know what? You're going to do this because deep down you want to do it. Because you and me, we got something in common. Ha! And what would that be? We're both guys who've never caught an easy break. The whole world looks down at us. Calls us dirt. You and me, we got to fight for everything we ever wanted. And it still ain't nearly enough. Ain't a brain. So what's it going to be, huh? Remove that body from table. Put Frankie on it. Why is this taking so long? What's the holdup here, Brain? When do I talk to Frankie? Your brother is one of many lost voices drifting in the universe. It takes time to locate him. You keep saying that. And Zuko will say it again. I will not be rushed. Now leave Zuko alone. Better not be stolen. You hear me? Jinx, I thought you said this whole thing was a cinch. Like turning on a radio. I don't know, Mike. The first time the professor did it, it seemed pretty easy, but... He did say that some people are harder to find than others. Something about their cosmic energy. I'll give that guy some cosmic energy. Oh, I tell you, Mike, I don't trust this guy. He's just a sideshow hack trying to scam us. Maybe you're right, Perky. The brain thinks he's smarter than we are. But maybe we'll teach him a thing or two. Maybe, maybe you get ready to lean on him hard. If I give you the signal. 
Sure thing, Mike. If he tries to pull a fast one, it'll be lights out for the old kook. Ah! Contact! I have contact! You found him? You found Frankie? Quiet! Listen. Ma, where are you, Ma? It's him. Mike, it's Frankie. No, it can't be. I'll be a son of a... The brain did it. Fifty grand. It's almost in my pocket. Here, Mike. Step up to this microphone. Right, Professor? Once again, you prove to be ever observant, Miss Bennett. Yes, go to the microphone. Speak to your brother. Ma. Ma? Who's out there? Can anybody hear me? Go on, Mike. Talk to him. Hey, hey, kid. Mike? Is that you, Mikey? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, you didn't think I'd I'd leave you behind, did you, kid? What's going on, Mike? Where am I? I... I can hear Ma. She's calling for me. Yeah, yeah, that. We'll talk about that later. Right now, I want to hear about what you did with the stones from the Rose job. You did a real good job keeping them from the cops, kid. I want to go home. Yeah, sure, kid. But first, how about those stones, huh? Where'd you hide them? It's so dark, Mike. So dark. I gotta get out of this place. Help me! Settle down. I'll get you out of here. But first, you need to tell me where you hid those stones. Help me, Mike. Help me. Mike. Where are you? Tell me where you hid those stones, kid. Tell me. I can't see you. I I can't see anything. Talk! Where are those stones, you little punk? Mike, please, help me. Help me. Shut up. Tell me where you hid them. Mike, I'm afraid. Help me. Help me. Frankie! Frankie! Where did he go? I have ended transmission. What? Well, bring him back! No. There was massive power surge during transmission. It has overheated the machine. If we continue, we we risk burnout of crucial circuitry. Besides, there is also your brother to consider. He could be at great risk. Risk? Risk? What risk? Frankie's dead already. The power surge. There is a strong chance that it could obliterate the cosmic essence of your brother, annihilate all that he is forever. So I should be worried about killing a dead man? Bring him back, Brain. Did you hear your brother's anguish? The pain created by the transmission? This is unforeseen circumstance. Zuko must study the danger, contact poses on cosmic beings before further contact is attempted. (laughs) Well, gosh, ain't that just too bad. Get Frankie back on the horn right now. Make him tell me where I can find my 50 grand in diamonds. You hear me? Now. You said you and I were alike. And for a moment, Zuko listened to you. But now, no more. Zuko, get back on those controls. You are animal, Kyo. The lowest kind of animal, wallowing in your own filth at the feet of decent human beings. You're asking for it, Brain. Go on, Mike. Give him the business. Get out of here, Kyo. What did I say about playing this the hard way? You think I was joking around? I'll show you how I joke around. I said get out! All of you! Mike, look out! Zuko, put down that wrench. Out! I will crush all of you! Put it down, Zuko. I ain't gonna tell you again. I got you, Mike. Mike? Professor, no! Ah! Professor? 
Mike, is he... Dead? Yeah. Corky, he was coming after you, Mike. Give me your gun, Corky. The old kook had gone over the deep end. He was going to take your head off with that wrench. I had to do it, Mike. The gun, Corky. But... Sure, Mike. Whatever you... Ooh! Whatever you say, Mike. Uh. Whatever you say. Ooh! Well, what I do say, how come you don't listen, huh? Ooh! Who's calling the shots here, huh? Uh. Mike, please. I'm sorry. I said who's calling the shots here. Ah! You are. Who? You are. Mike, Mike, cut it out. It's okay. What? It's all right, Mike. We don't need Zuko. Yeah? So who's going to work these controls? I will. I've seen Zuko do it twice now. It's just like, uh, like a big fancy radio, that's all. You really think you can find Frankie? How hard could it be? Everything's already warmed up and ready to go. Hi, girl. Corky? Yeah, Mike? Get the brain out of here. Where do you want me to put him? I don't care! Just get the lousy nut job out of my sight. Whatever you... I'll just take care of it. You think you got this, Angel? Sure. It'll be a cinch. Now let's see. What did the professor say? This dial scans for cosmic energy. And this one magnifies the transmission signals. Line up these arrows here. This time, we push Frankie. We don't let up until he tells us where the stones are. I don't care if we blow a very fuse in the joint. Frankie's gonna talk. You gonna save a few of those stones for me? <laughs> Angel, if you pull this off, you can have anything. That's it. Contact. We've got him, Mike. We've got him. Frankie. Frankie, can you hear me? Hello. H- Hello, kid. It's me. It's Mike. Hello. I couldn't find a shovel. Corky, shut up. Keep talking, Mike. Yeah, yeah. So I'm here to bring you home, kid. Get you out of that place you're in. How's that sound? Home? Yeah, right. That's it. Home, Frankie. It'll be real nice to have you back. We can talk about old times, like like where you hid the diamonds from the rose job. I'm dying to know what you did with them. How's that sound, kid? Frankie! Frankie! Corky? So I took the brain out back. I couldn't find a shovel, so I... Corky! What the hell was that? What the hell just happened? Oh, Mike. Corky, there was a big arc of electricity that seemed to come out of nowhere. Look at him. Fried like some Sunday chicken. Oh, how terrible. I always knew that sap would get it someday. But not like this. It's almost as if it was done on purpose. <laughs> Jinx? Jinx, what was that? I, I don't know. Frankie? Frankie? Fr- Frankie, what's, what's so funny? Fra- Frankie? Fuck off that laughing, you hear me? <laughs> Frankie. Poor Frankie. Professor Zuko, but how? I am not sure. But I see now how little we know about the universe. How much more we need to learn. Zuko. Z- listen, Zuko. It was Corky who shot you. We had nothing to do with it. Oh, that no longer matters. In fact, I should thank you. Thank us? What do you mean, Professor? 
You have done Zuko great favor. You freed me from mortal world, allowed me to escape, explore the mysteries of the universe, and now I'd like to return the favor. <laughs> What's he talking about, Jinx? I'm not sure. Uh, professor, we'll go now. We'll never bother you again. Oh no, you have helped me to discover this truly amazing place. I want to share it with all of you. Come, join me. Professor, no! Let us explore the universe together! No! I'd rather not. Join us next time for a spooky story of American expats and their encounter with the most famous ghost of Mexico in the play La Llorona. Tonight's episode was written by Brett Stillo. It was produced by Amy Pavi. Heard in tonight's play were Sarah Light as Jinx Bennett, Scott Lewis as Dr. Zuko, Josh Horowitz as the Dead Drifter, Cody Nichols as Corky and Frankie Keogh, and Aaron Seymour as Big Mike Keogh. Additional music was a clip from the track Autumn of Transfigured Shadows by Human Phobia. Episode cover art by Amy Pavi. Logo design by Michael Dern. And yours truly, Josh Horowitz. If you enjoy our plays, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, or drop us a line via email. The address is in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you, and thank you for listening. Brace yourself. You're listening to Twisted Pulp Radio Hour. You are listening to Twisted Pulp Radio Hour on KKRN 88.5 FM. Community-supported radio. I am Dr. Mary Von Rocksprocket, and I will take over the world. Yes.
The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. A deadline. Mind if I lock this door, Doc? I mean, I know you close it every session, but I, I just feel especially vulnerable right now. Thanks, I really appreciate it. Okay, let me get comfortable. Because I think I've had a breakthrough. It all started with last session. You were asking me some penetrating questions. Do you remember? <clears throat> I remember. It was to do with my job. First, I told you about working at the reclamation plant. Seven years there, and I just never felt right. No, I haven't quit. I don't think I have to now. I was just so nervous, and I didn't know what I'd do, but... Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I left our session last time. I was still mourning my girlfriend. I see that now. I mean, I know we were totally broken up, and I know it's not my fault, and I can take responsibility for the things that aren't my fault now. Thanks to you, Doc. I went home... I put on some of her favorite chick movies. Why is it that a girlfriend will leave her favorite DVDs, but won't leave her toothbrush? It's like stories are more intimate. What do you think, Doc? Okay, okay. I know the drill. I'm supposed to just talk this out. So I'm watching the cutting edge, and, and trust me, the irony wasn't lost. Maybe that's why I was crying so hard. Hmm. Anyway, I just lay there, holding myself on our foam futon in my piece of crap apartment. You know, I've described it before. Whistling kitchen window and the gentle pitter-patter of rodentia across the mactac floors. And it all reminds me of when I'm a kid. That's when I remember what you told me to do. You told me to take a moment and think. That's what I did. I thought. You said last session, and, and, and I remember this so clearly. You said, Brian, what is it about your girlfriend, about all women, that reminds you of your dad? <laughs> You're a smart man, Doc. The smartest. I think that's why I came to you in the first place. I remember thinking, if anyone can figure me out, it's Dr. Feynman. That was the first session. I'm, I'm pretty observant. I watch people. Their body language, smiles, the way they talk to people. But I could never figure out what my dad thought. I, I never could figure out what he meant when he said things. Ain't that strange? He worked all day at the garage beneath our house. A simple guy, and yet he played his cards close to his chest. Played poker. Maybe that's how he learned it. You know how to play poker, Doc? No, don't answer that. I know. I'm on a roll. I don't want to stop. And I've only got a couple of minutes before I gotta go. Poker. I never played poker, but my dad, he played it about every Saturday night, right there in the garage, living above it. We heard everything. Above the pits and the grease and the roaring engines that tried to drown out anything. Anything. So I'm thinking about what you said. 
because I, I know you do research, piecing stuff together. I'm guessing it was... I'm guessing it was the eyes. Was it the eyes? I mean, that's what I saw you scribbling on your notebook when I talked about my dad's eyes. And so it goes, and so it goes. I remember when I took her to where I worked. It was there. Just like I told you. All there, in the eyes. And I knew. I guess I didn't really know, but I always knew. At the same time, different levels. It's, it's all different levels, you know? It wasn't so much what she said. It was there, in her eyes. Just like Dad. You know, you know that when they found all the girls buried in the garage, Mum and I had already left him. I never saw him after they took him away. The mechanic monster, that's what they dubbed him. Journalists are all in love with alliteration, aren't they? I like puns better. What do you think of blindsided? Like father, like son. But I don't have the hands of my father. He was an artist. They're still trying to match the parts with the owner. Custom jobs, each and every one. I just removed the eyes. But I'm almost there, Doc. Just one more to catch up with his record. Maybe now he'll respect me. Not that anyone knows. Until now. I put them all in the waste pits at work. It doesn't take long for the rot to get rid of them. I keep the eyes, of course. They look different now in jars. You should see. Oh, sorry. Bad joke. I hope the ropes weren't too tight. The gag was kind of necessary. I know, I know, your receptionist won't be talking either. I never liked the way she looked at me. Okay, I gotta run. I know this was your last session, and you're about to become famous. I just wish you were still here to appreciate it. It's amazing how much blood you can lose with your eyes removed, isn't it? Oh well, most of therapy is talking to yourself. Sure, I'll be questioned, but you've got quite the caseload. I don't think anyone else will figure it out. And if they do, I'll keep an eye on them. Thanks, Doc. I'll lock the door on the way out. So late in the day, walk-ins can be so... complicated. I think I'm ready, though, you know. Ready to try again. There's some girl out there. Someone with eyes only for me. See you later. This Deadline episode was written, directed, and post-produced by Jack J. Ward. Music composed and performed by Sharon B. This episode was recorded at the Sonic Temple in Halifax, Nova Scotia, in association with the Center of Arts and Technology. The Deadline Anthology is an Electric Vicuna production.
This has been an Electric Vicuna production. All right, some Canadian television exposure, finally. <laughs> I gotta find out when this airs so when I come into the country, I can be ready for the adulation. <laughs> hey, I've been, <laughs> I've been on the David Letterman show twice. Anyone see me? Hey, I'll be damned. <laughs> like four million people watch that show, and I don't know where the hell they are. <laughs> what the hell? That's my favorite introduction I've ever had. You might have seen this next comedian on the David Letterman show. But I believe more people have seen me at the store. <laughs> and that would be a better introduction. You might have seen this next comedian at the store. And people would say, hell yes, I have. <laughs> I opened up a yogurt, and underneath the lid, it said, please try again. They were having a contest I was unaware of. But I thought I might have opened the yogurt wrong. <laughs> or maybe your play was trying to inspire me. Come on, Mitch, don't give up. Please try again. A message of inspiration from your friends at Yo Play. Fruit on the bottom, hope on top. I used to do drugs. I still do, but I used to too. I like to play blackjack. I'm not addicted to gambling. I'm addicted to sitting in a semi-circle. Right. My friend is a blackjack dealer, and on his forearm, he has a tattoo of an ace and a jack. You see, I'm a blackjack player. On my forearm, I'm going to get a tattoo of a 10 and a 2. And then maybe later, a king. I think Bigfoot is blurry. That's the problem. <laughs> it's not the photographer's fault. <laughs> Bigfoot is blurry. And that's extra scary to me because there's a large, out-of-focus monster <laughs> roaming the countryside. One time, a guy handed me a picture of me. He said, here's a picture of me when I was younger. Every picture is of you when you were younger. <laughs> ain't, that, ain't, that, ain't that about time someone said that? I think Pringles' initial intention was to make tennis balls. <laughs> but on the day that the rubber was supposed to show up, a big truckload of potatoes arrived. <laughs> and Pringles said, what the hell? Cut him up. Sasquatch is like Bigfoot, but only lives in a different place. Sasquatch lives in the great northwest. Sasquatch, Sasquatch, shaggy fur and a furry chest. Sasquatch, Sasquatch, he hides.
hides in the shadows of the grand timberland. He picks tiny berries with a giant gentle hand. Sasquatch, watch out for Sasquatch. Sasquatch lives in the great northwest. Sasquatch, Sasquatch, with his shaggy fur and his furry chest. Sasquatch, Sasquatch. What he finds on the forest floor He walks through the woods till his feet are sore Sasquatch, watch out for Sasquatch Sasquatch lives in the great northwest Sasquatch, Sasquatch With his shaggy fur and his furry chest Sasquatch, Sasquatch He hides in the underbrush underneath the trees He fills up with honey when he follows home the bees Sasquatch lives in the great northwest. Sasquatch, Sasquatch, with his shaggy fur and his furry chest. Sasquatch, Sasquatch, his heart is pure, his heart is good. They say he's a monster, but he's misunderstood. Sasquatch, watch out for Sasquatch. Sasquatch lives in the great northwest. Sasquatch, Sasquatch. Shaggy fur in his furry chest Sasquatch, Sasquatch Everyone please leave Sasquatch alone His home is in the woods and he loves his home Sasquatch, watch out for Sasquatch Sasquatch, watch out for Sasquatch Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, Episode 3, Tiffany Noir. Your host was Dr. Mary Von Rocket Sprocket, played by Lothar Tuppen. Your co-host was Miss Tiffany Teagarden, played by Amy Povey. Twelve Chimes It's Midnight production of The Call of the Dead, and Jack Ward's production of Deadline, Deathbed Confessions, the Reason We Can't Find Bigfoot, performed by Myth Hedberg. Episode written by Mark Slade. Theme music by Tim Slade. End music by Chauncey Haworth. Art by Matt Weller. Produced by Mark Slade, Lothar Tuppen, and Chauncey Haworth. Directed by Mark Slade. You've been listening to community-supported KKRN 88.5 FM. We're supported by listeners like you and brought to you by volunteers from the community. Are you ready to support your local community radio? To become a listener supporter, go to our website, kkrn.org, and click on the Donate button, or mail a check to P.O. Box 188, Montgomery Creek, California, 96065. You can call 530-337-337. 1101 to volunteer at KKRN Community Radio or to learn more about us. You are listening to Twisted Pulp Radio.